Hello, everybody. Welcome to Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. I'm so glad you tuned into this broadcast today. In just a moment, you and I are going to get into the Word of God together like we do. Every time we, we come around this broadcast together, it's all about one thing, serving you with the Word of God. All right, let's take some time together, get into the Word, and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. So much of the time, and, and we, and I say we, I'm talking faith, people. We get distracted. We get preoccupied with what we can see. In other words, we believe God's good and he wants us well. And so we, we pray for healing and believe we receive healing. And we think, okay, this, this isn't working. So Lord, I, I need you to heal this. I need this to be better. I need this to be fixed. What you need is your heart to be opened. You need to understand some things in your heart so that he can heal something in this body, something in a relationship. See, it's got to take place in the heart first. And there's, an, there's evidently, there's something you don't understand. He said, the, the, the problem here is understanding. How many times did you see it? And then he said to his disciples in verse 16, but blessed, somebody say blessed. Blessed, blessed are your eyes for they see, your ears for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and didn't see it, to hear what you hear and didn't hear it. What, what's he talking about? Your eyes are blessed. Why? Because you see something that other people wanted to and other people can't. What is it they see that others didn't? Him. When everybody else saw and heard a preacher, these guys see Jesus. They, they're beginning to see this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. He's not a man like other men in the sense uh, that, that, that we're beginning to see where he's coming from. Now, let me add this to you right here. Just read the next verse or two. He said in verse 18, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When, he, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, you hear it, but you don't understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So the wayside ground is that hard, packed ground. And when the seed fell on that hard ground, it couldn't penetrate. It couldn't sink in. And that's why Jesus said the birds came and devoured it. Why? It's just sitting there on top. When the seed falls on hard ground, it'd be like me throwing seed on this platform. It's not going anywhere. If you throw seed on hard ground... The birds go, thank you very much. We'll have that. It's not hidden. It's not submerged. It's not protected. And so they come and they snatch it away. And Jesus said, this is he who receives seed on the wayside ground, who hears the word and doesn't understand it. Doesn't understand it. Satan, he said, comes immediately and steals the word. Now, what you see in every one of these kinds of grounds is Number one, somebody, the, number one, the word being sown. Number two, somebody hearing it. And number three, Satan doing something to steal it. 
He's doing something to rob people of the word all the time. And in this first kind of ground, all he had to do was come and take it. Now, if you're not looking deeper, you may think that he can just do that to anybody. Anybody who hears the word, this is why I don't have the word. This is why I wasn't able to keep it because Satan stole it from me. He's not able to do that at will. Jesus said Satan comes and steals the word immediately from those who heard it but didn't understand it. Think about the words that we use when we talk about just naturally trying to understand something. The one that comes to my mind is eighth grade algebra. Trying to comprehend, trying to understand. And I remember sitting there struggling with that. Here's the problem. When you're not understanding, listen to the words we use. It's not sinking in. You ever said that before? It's just not sinking in. Have you ever said this before? I don't see that. Isn't that what he said the problem was? They don't see. And those are the words we use to describe a lack of understanding. I don't see what you're saying. I can't quite see that. That's not sinking in. Those are all things we use to describe and the ways we say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And Satan comes immediately and steals the word from people who don't understand it. Now, remember, what are we understanding with? Is it our brain? Is it our natural mind? It's the heart. So when somebody hears the word and they don't understand it or it doesn't sink in, Satan comes immediately and steals it. But this word understanding, we need to understand more about the word understanding. When you study it, it doesn't just mean that you mentally grasp something. You study it out, it actually means you, you get the meaning of it. It means you get the nature of it. And it means you understand the value of it. The meaning, the nature, and the value. I know I'm kind of just going line on line here. Are you okay? You hanging with it? When you understand the word, then your heart begins to grab a hold of the meaning of it, the nature of it, and the value of it. And even if your head, after hearing the word, hearing it preached, or just reading the word in your own time, even if your head's going, man, what in the world? I don't get it. Your heart is being fed. And your heart can actually rise up on the inside and say, no, that's my word. That's my word. And your heart can get excited while your head's going, what, what, what? And your heart can go, shut up, you'll get it later. Your heart has the ability to receive. Your heart can have things sink in that your head is still catching up with. Because you understand the meaning of it, the nature of it, the value of it. I don't know that you and I totally appreciate what it means to be able to open the Word of God and it makes sense to you. When you read it not out of a, a, a natural thirst for natural knowledge, but you read it out of a spiritual and a supernatural hunger and a thirst for more of God... 
and you, you look at it through those eyes and you listen to it through those ears, you can look into the word and man, it can bring light to you and it can minister life to you while there are people all over the world looking at it and it's dry and it's dead and it's lifeless and they give up on it. You and I don't appreciate enough what it means to be able to fellowship with God through his word. I mean, just a quick show of hands. Is there anybody that would say, at least at one point in your life, you've heard the word or looked to the word and man, it did something for you on the inside and it excited you and it ministered life to you and it brought an answer to you. That's not normal. You're not normal. I'm probably not the first that have told you that, but let me remind you, you're not normal. Glory to God. Because it takes a different set of eyes and a different set of ears to look into the word and get something out of it. It means something to you. But not only that, you grasp the nature of it. You know what that means? Where it came from. Oh, this is big. You understand that these, though these words were penned by men, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And these are not just mere men's words. These are God's words. These are God's thoughts. And this book is not like any other book in all of human history, past, present, or future. This thing is alive. It's God-breathed. It's God-inspired. It's God-anointed. It's got God all over it. And His Word is forever settled in heaven. And you see the nature of it. Man, you're like, this. I know where this stuff came from. This didn't come out of somebody's head. This came out of the heart of God. This came from the very throne of God. You get the nature of it. And when you understand where something comes from, it has the ability to excite you about it. Think about it like this. Maybe you've got some distant relative, maybe some great, great aunt who is a hundred and whatever years old. And she's kind of famous throughout the family for finding junk in the attic and calling various family members and saying, I got something for you. And you know, after about the third thimble you've been given or just little piece of trash or little piece of junk, she calls again and says, I got something for you. I tell you what, if you work for eight hours today and mow my yard and rake the leaves, there'll be a shiny quarter in it, right? And she calls and says, I got a gift for you. Well, you understand where it's coming from. And because you know where it's coming from, you're like, okay, thank you. I'll be by to get it sometime in the next 10 to 12 years. Probably I'll try to make my way over and get it. Right on the other hand, I don't know, let's say you got a rich grandpa. <laughs> Anybody got a rich grandpa? Do I have any hands in here who grew up with a rich? I see a, one or two. Listen, if you don't have one of those, you got to get one. I'm telling you, they are awesome. They are awesome. I've had one my whole life, and it's awesome, man. I'm telling you the truth because when Papa calls, oh, somebody help me. When Papa calls and says, hey, boy, I got something for you. 
it is not this complacent, lazy, I'll be by sometime. When Papa calls and says, I've got something, just because you know where it's coming from, you don't even got to know what it is yet. You don't even have to understand the whole thing yet. You just know where it's coming from. You've been given gifts from that place before. It's like, you got something? I'm on my way. You jump in the truck that he gave you and you peel out of the house. I'm here, ding dong, right? Why? One reason, you know where it's coming from. You understand something about the origin of it and it makes a difference for you. You understand not just the meaning, but the nature, where this thing is from. And what that gives way to is, is understanding the value. See, this is the big problem here. When somebody hears the word and it just falls on solid ground, it's like standing and throwing seed at somebody's forehead. <laughs> What's happening? It just hits them and bounces right off. It's not sinking in. If they don't understand the value of it, let me ask you like this. What happens to valuable things that are left unprotected? They get stolen. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Can he just steal any word from you? No. The only word Satan's able to steal is the word you didn't value. Keep them in. Keep my words, he said, in your eyes in your ears. Keep them in the midst of your heart. How do you keep them in? The key is understanding. If you go back and look at what Jesus said in that verse that didn't make sense before, and just add this one word to it, see if it helps you. Verse 12, Matthew 13, 12 says, for whoever has, has what? Understanding. Whoever has understanding to him more will be given. Whoever knows the meaning of it, whoever understands the nature of it, whoever understands the value of it, that's how they get more of it. Whoever has understanding, to him more will be given. He'll have in abundance. But whoever does not have, doesn't have what? Understanding. Whoever does not have a value for the word they've heard. Whoever doesn't appreciate it is at risk of losing it. Whoever doesn't value the word as not just a word from men, but a word from God, it'll be stolen from them. How do we keep the word we've been given? We got to guard the heart. If there's something precious and something valuable in there, it needs to be guarded. That's why you can't stroll into Fort Knox this afternoon and take whatever you want. There's guards because there's some valuable stuff in there. That's why they put guards out to keep you out and the stuff in. You need a guard. If, if what you've been given is actually the word of God, God's own thoughts, a revelation of his will and an understanding of his power, if that's actually what it is, it's valuable. And valuable things left unprotected get stolen. 
What happens when you leave a box of gold in the front yard overnight? Huh? Honey, have you seen my gold? What'd you do with it? I don't know. I think I left it in the yard. Let me help you. It's not there anymore. But you think, who would do that? Who would do something so foolish? We're doing it all the time. We're hearing the word, the life-changing word, the life-altering, the course-setting and directing word of God. And just by simply failing to put the value on it that it deserves, we leave it unprotected. And Satan comes along and says, I'll take that. And it's like you never heard it. This word that has the ability to produce and reproduce all this life. And it's like you never heard it. Just simply failing to value it. Failing to appreciate it. Anyone, verse 19, hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it. Or you could say he doesn't value it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Let me give you an example of this in the few minutes that we have here. Go to Mark chapter 6. Honoring the word is paramount to guarding your heart. This is how we keep what we've been given. And this is how we keep Satan from stealing it from us. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus shows up in his own hometown and in verse 1, it says, He went out of there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now notice this in verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are not his sisters here with us. Notice verse 3. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Or you could say not without value. Except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, Jesus marveled at what? Their unbelief. And he went about the other villages in a circuit teaching. He marveled at their unbelief. Now, to understand the severity of what just happened in his own hometown, you got to back up, but not very far. I'm, I'm telling you within like 24 to 48 hours before this, if you will understand what's going on in the life and ministry of Jesus leading up to this, it's powerful. I mean, even if you go back to even Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 3, there, there was a, a day on the Sabbath where Jesus was uh, ministering uh, to, to sick people and the religious people were trying to see if he was going to heal on the Sabbath. And there was a man there with a withered hand and, and Jesus asked the religious people, he said, is it right? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And the Bible says they kept silent and Jesus looked around at them. And the Bible says that Jesus was angry at the hardness of their heart. Hard ground, hard heart. This made him angry. We'll have to talk more about that next week, I believe, but this made him angry. 
But then he says to this man, stretch forth your hand. And the man responded and his hand was healed. And right around in that same time was when they lowered that man through the roof who was paralyzed and Jesus forgave his sins and that ticked them all off. And then he told them to rise and walk and that made it worse. And then just in the day or so leading up to this, Jesus tells his, actually, Mark chapter four, Jesus preaches the parable of the sower. And then when he's done preaching that, he gets on a boat with his disciples and says, let's go to the other side. And while they're on the way over there, this storm raises up, just, just comes on them in the middle of the sea and they wake Jesus up screaming, we're all going to die. We're going to die. You don't care. We're going to die. And he gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves, says, peace be still. Everything shuts up. They're scared out of their mind. Next thing you know, they're at the other side. The disciples are probably kissing the ground, thanking God to even be alive. And in the middle of all that, this crazy naked guy comes running at them from the tomb, screaming. And Jesus these disciples are like, what is going on? What happened to this day? It started so normal. And Jesus cast the demon out of this guy. Next thing you know, he's clothed and in his right mind. And Jesus says, we're going back to the other side. The disciples are going, we just got here. I'm never getting on a boat again. I almost died. He said, shut up, let's go. So they get in the boat. They go back to the other side. As soon as they show up there, this is all the same day. There's a crowd there and Jairus, this ruler, this leader of the synagogue comes running up to him, falls at his feet, crying out, my little daughter lies at the point of death, but if you come lay your hands on her, she will live. Jesus goes with him, making his way through this crowd. In the middle of this, somebody grabs a hold of him. He goes, who touched me? Disciples said, uh, everybody. And he said, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me in faith and power went out of me. And he turned around to see her who had done this thing. And it was this woman who had been with an issue of blood for 12 years, spent everything she had, was nothing better, but grew worse. She's telling him everything that's happened. Jairus is going, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. In the middle of all this, somebody from Jairus' house shows up and says, don't trouble him anymore. She's dead. Jesus whirls around, grabs Jairus by the lapels of that expensive jacket, pulls him in and says, do not be afraid, only believe, turns right around, walks up to Jairus' house, kicks out everybody who's screaming and crying and wailing, shuts the door on them, says to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she gets up. This is all the same day. Same day. Notice this. Do you see the progression of the power? What started as preaching of the word The word made flesh. Jesus, the word, was preaching the word. And he was preaching the parable of the word. So the word was preaching the word. And the subject of the word he was preaching was the word. I mean, if faith was ever going to come, it was going to be that day. And it started with the preaching of the word. And it snowballed into the delivering of this man, casting the devil out of him. And then it, it... grew from that into setting this woman free. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. And it snowballed out of that into the raising of the dead. There's momentum beginning to build in his life, in his ministry. And he goes right from there. The very next thing, he goes into his own hometown. 
And we know what he preached. If you couple it with other accounts, he stood up in his own hometown and said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed me to preach, uh, uh, the, to bring healing to the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are oppressed. He's preaching what they've been seeing. And now all of a sudden he stands up at home and they go, we know you. We know you. This is, that's, that's the, what's his name? From the carpenter. Jesus. Yeah, we know you. Anointed. Give me a break. Boy, get down. Your sisters are here. Your brothers. What are you talking about anointed? Who is this guy? Come on, give me a break. It says they were offended. And in response to that, the Bible said, Jesus could there do no mighty work. So all this momentum, this power that's been increasing and increasing and increasing comes to a screeching halt because of familiarity. Because there was no honor. Because they didn't value the word. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.